we're going to talk about a word tonight uh, that is all through the book of Proverbs, and it is called strife. And I don't know about you, but the worst feeling in the world is being frustrated to me. There's nothing worse than frustration when you can't, like, I, you know that feeling when you just want to rip your own hair out? You're just, so, I, I deal, especially uh, my, my uh, level of frustration was tested this year working with kindergarten students. Wow. <laughs> so, I, um, because I'm a word person, I'm a total word freak, I looked up the definition. And the definition of strife is angry or violent disagreement between two people, <coughs> excuse me, an act of contention, fight, struggle, exertion, or contention for superiority. And because I'm even more of a word geek, I looked up the synonyms, and I couldn't list all of them, but I listed most of them, so I'm going to read them to you because I love words. But a a synonyms for strife, clash, competition, contention, altercation, disagreement, dispute, divide, fissure, a falling out, fight, hassle, quarrel, incompatibility, animosity, hostility, and this one got me, war or warfare. So the scripture that is the main, uh, the main uh, text tonight that the Lord gave me is uh, Proverbs 17.14. I wrote four down in my notes. That is wrong. So 17.14. So the beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before it starts. And so I was even sharing with my, with my dad as I began to prepare tonight's outline. Um, I feel like Proverbs is actually a really difficult area to, to study and to teach from because it's so rich. And I can't get up here and read the entire book of Proverbs to you. Um, and I had like four, four pages of notes and um, I was told you need to pare that down. <laughs> So <laughs> I hope that you'll go through and read through Proverbs, just uh, those areas where they talk about strife and, and the destruction it causes in our lives. So um, I thought about when, beginning of strife, when strife is just starting, when that frustration and contention is setting in, wherever we are, it's like releasing water. So if a dam were to break, all that water being released, it would cause damage. Either would cause much destruction. Um, so just like that, strife and frustration, confusion, all those things, they cause damage. So we're to be on guard uh, when, we, when we start feeling that way. And uh, the other thing that occurred to me in that passage, just that little scripture, is we're instructed to stop contention before it starts. So if we have the power to stop it, that means we have a choice in the matter. That contention and strife is a choice. If we're, if we're told, to, if, if, if God gave that wisdom that we're to stop it before it starts, that means we have some measure of control. So we're to stop it, we're to put an end to it. Um, <clears throat> the other thing that the Lord shared with me about strife is that it's a weapon of the enemy. And the desire of the enemy is always to bring confusion. It's always to divide. It's always to, um, to, to bring a fissure like that says. It's always to, uh, to uh, bring animosity or anything like that. He does not want us in unity. He does not want our homes in peace because his domain is, is strife and confusion. God is the author of peace, but the enemy, he's the author of confusion. So um, it's a f- kind of a funny story to share with you, and my mom would probably like be horrified that I'm telling you this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, when we were little, she, I'll say it really, really quiet. When we were little, um, my, we were fighting, and I just remember this really vivid memory. We lived on Indianapolis, and we had this big linen closet, and somehow, I don't know how it got, it got so disorganized, and we were fighting over something in the closet. I don't know. We were fighting, though, and my mom said, stop fighting. She said, do you want demons in our house? And I was like, 
what? <laughs> so forever I thought like maybe a demon lived in the closet, but it didn't. Um, but that's just my little brain. But it took me years to sort of understand what she was saying. And there, it was so much wisdom that she was teaching us that when we allow contention and we allow strife, that that's the enemy's territory. That we're, it's like we're opening the door and saying, hey, come on in, mess with me. <laughs> so we're just allowing access. So um, <clears throat> we have to begin to see strife and frustration as a tool of the enemy, and we can't allow him to have a foothold. So if we can stop contention before it starts, that stops the enemy's plan to bring division. So um, the next scripture I wanted to share with you too is in James. And I, I think the uh, book of Proverbs and the book of James just go really well together. Uh, I kept finding myself uh, going there for, for the New Testament. James 3.16, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So people say that for, like, drug addicts, that marijuana is a gateway drug, that a lot of you start there and it just gets worse. I don't personally know, but that's what I hear. Strife is just like that. It's like a gateway for the enemy. If it's if for where envying and strife is, every evil work. And I don't know about you, but if, if, if it gives the enemy access for every evil work, I want to battle against it. So um, one of the ways I think that... Well, that the Lord was sharing with me that um, strife is caused and all that, that damaging um, frustration and, and disputes is the, the tongue, our mouths. Our mouths can often um, cause a lot of strife. And Proverbs eighteen twenty one, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And just like when God created the earth, he, through wisdom, his words spoke and the earth was formed. Our words have creative power. And when we begin to speak things out, there's a result. There's life or there's death. And I see it a lot as a teacher. My job, I'm a, I'm a music teacher, and so what I do is I'm in the classroom, and, and, and teachers bring their class to me. So I get, you know, tons of, tons of little kids. I see about 500 kids a week. And the teachers line them up outside the door, and, and they come in, and I kind of get to know which kids have more behavioral issues than others. But one thing I notice is how often kids are labeled by their behavior very quickly. I mean, I mean, by the time that I'm starting to see them, maybe three weeks into school, they're already labeled. And the kids know it, and the teacher knows it, and that kid knows it. And they come in and say, oh, uh, so-and-so, he can't sit by them because he's bad. All the kids, I mean, in, in unison. No, he's bad, he can't sit there. And I find myself saying, he's not bad, he's making wrong choices. You know, I'm like, we're, I can deal with him for 30 minutes a week. Like, I understand their teachers get frustrated, strife. A classroom is a major um, a battleground for strife, I find. So um, it's like if he can mess with me at work, he knows that I'll be frustrated when I go home. So I notice I have to really contend with that. And um, it's not like I can lay hands on them and pray. <laughs> I would like to sometimes cast some things out. Um, <laughs> it needs to happen. But uh, I just notice that when we, when we speak those words out, just I, can't, I, I really can't fathom that a teacher could ever look at a kid and say, no, he's bad, but they do. And because they're walking in daily frustration, and that's what's being produced. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in there when strife and frustration and confusion are left there, not dealt with? What comes out of our mouth is death, destruction. So um, that's Luke 6.45, by the way. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when pride and envy and self-seeking and selfishness, when that's in our hearts and we don't submit it to the Lord, it comes out of our mouth. And our mouth speaks the content and the condition of our hearts. So when that's spewing out of our mouths, 
we're just revealing the, the condition of our own heart. And uh, Proverbs 14.30, it also says, envy is rottenness to the bones. So <laughs> when all those things go in our, in our heart, it can it spoil our entire body. It, can, it just spoils us. So like that, um, we have to be so careful when bitterness starts to take root in our hearts. We have to cut it out. Um, Proverbs 14.1 is the other major scripture that I feel like the Lord kind of began to show me things about because, again, I'm sharing and not teaching. I'm sharing. <laughs> Proverbs 14.1, a wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her own hands. And I just feel like uh, it's kind of a convicting for me to go through Proverbs and read all of the warnings about contentious women. I'm like, that's funny because it's kind of a tendency, I think. And I, I noticed that our culture believes this huge lie, and we're taught from the time we're really little that it's okay to, um, to we just need to be honest, we just need to share our feelings, we, always, we need to vent, like that that's all okay. And I think within reason sometimes, sometimes it is. But when I see that we can, we can pull our own house down in our, in our homes when we allow strife and contention, and I do think in like a traditional home, a mom and a dad and everything, I think the woman does kind of set the temperature for the home. I, I think God designed it kind of like that. That um, we're, th- I say, they're thermostat personalities. We set the temperature. <laughs> so if I'm mad, ain't, ain't nobody happy. So, so we have a big responsibility as, as women and as moms, and I, and I mean men do too. I don't mean to exclude that. But we do have this enormous responsibility to make sure that we are walking in peace and that we're instruments of peace in our homes and in our relationships and not instruments of destruction because we have the power to pull our own house down with our bare hands by the words that come out of our mouth. And um, as I'm going through Proverbs, and I, I wish I could read you every single scripture that has to do with our mouths, and I know we talk about it all the time, so it's nothing new to you, um, but I found th- this one scripture, and I told my mom, I, I, I swear God put that in there today, because I've never, it just has never jumped off the page at me before, but it's Proverbs 29:11, and this just like, it was a knife in my gut, and it says, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. And I was like, hmm, how many times have I said, I just needed to vent. And I just spewed out all this destruction. And we know that out of the same mouth cannot come blessing and cursing. We got to kind of pick a side. <laughs> you either speak life or you speak death and, and, and destruction. So when I read that, the Lord started showing me kind of times in my own life and, and, and my friendships and relationships. And I don't know if you've ever had friendships that are slightly more toxic than others where you get around them and you're like, oh, okay, I don't like what's coming up out of this. Like this is getting a little negative. And I'm, I, I know for me, I'm not one of those people that can say, oh, I'm not very confrontational because I actually am. <laughs> like, by, like I'm not, I, I wish I had that sweet, gentle spirit, but I don't think I do. And I'm the type to sort of want to get it out all on the table. Let's just deal with this right now. But it can actually be damaging sometimes. Who'd have thought? <laughs> and, um, and I'm not I, this. I have a story about this from First uh, Kings two. I don't really want to take the time to read all the way through it. But um, if you want to turn there, it's First Kings, chapter two. And before, um, well, before I turn there, actually, before I share that. Um, what the Lord began to show me is that we're just taught from such a young age that we should spew out all of our feelings and that we even have to, even when we're dealing with a frustration or offense from another person, that we feel like even if we've, we say we've forgiven them, 
we feel like we have to go to that person and be like, look, I've just been really upset at you, but I forgive you because you did this thing to me. And it's like they don't ever even knew about it. So like you're in bondage over something they don't even know they did. And you feel like you have to go confess that to them. And I really, I don't see how that's biblical. Because if it's not, some, I mean, if it's something that is continuing to happen or if it's allowing compromise, that's different. But if it's just needing to like, you really hurt my feelings when you did that. I just, I, but you just have to know, but I forgive you. Okay, you don't really. You have to repeat it. And because um, <laughs> there's another um, Proverbs 17. I'm just going to rattle these off to you. Um, I'm, I know I had you turn to First Kings. Don't, don't leave there. But um, Proverbs 10:19 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs 11:13, A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Proverbs 17:9, He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. And there was another scripture that said, um, uh, Oh, a whispering lips can separate the best of friends, or something like that. I'm not repeating it correctly. But about how a lot of times in the name of honesty, we can be very cruel. And we, we disguise it in, in, under honesty, but really we're just kind of trying to hurt that person back. But we're being all spiritual about it. <laughs> And the, the thing that, that has really just set in to me that is so amazing is that human nature, our sin nature, has not changed since this book was written. It's all still so accurate. <laughs> we have not changed. And, um, I, and our default response is always to seek after ourselves. And, and so I think that's so amazing that this book can be written that just gives so much direction and is still so uh, fresh and new. When that scripture about... Um, venting all your feelings. I, I think it about slapped me in the face. <laughs> it was amazing. So anyway, First Kings 2, um, verses 5 through 9. It's about David, my man David. I don't know about you, but I love reading about David. Um, so David is kind of dying. Actually, he's really dying. And he's talking to Solomon. And I'm going to mispronounce some of these names. But he's talking to Solomon, and he's giving him instruction. And he says at verse 5, and like I said, Forgive me for uh, butchering some names. Moreover, you know also what Joab, the son of Zariah, did to me, and what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel, to Abner, the son of Ner, and Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he killed. And he shed the blood of war in peacetime and put the blood of war on his belt that was around his waist and on his sandals that were on his feet. Therefore, do according to your wisdom and do not let his gray hair go down to the grave in peace, but show kindness to the sons of that dude, Barzillia. No, that's not um, a baby name, the, the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table, for so they came to me when I fled from Absalom, your brother. And see you have with you Shemai, the son of Gera, a Benjamite from that place that I can't pronounce either. I just don't want to say it wrong, so I don't want to say it at all. Who cursed me with a malicious curse in the day when I went to Mahanaim. What is that, Mahanaim? Yeah. But he came down to meet me at the Jordan, and I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now, therefore, do not hold him guiltless, for you are a wise man and know what you ought to do to him, but bring his gray hair down to the grave with blood. Those are some really morbid words. But I think David had a lot of wisdom because David knew when to let things go for a little while. He could have had his whole kingdom at war the whole time he was sitting on the throne, but chose to kind of put some matters to rest for a time and then kind of reveal to Solomon, look, you're going to have trouble with this dude. Kill this dude. Be nice to this guy just to let you know. And I love that, that in that there's, there's so much wisdom because it is okay to sort of choose peace. 
and to, uh, he, he could have tore his kingdom up. So many people could have, have just lost their lives, and he knew when to hold back. And I think that that's uh, something the Lord is really wanting us to learn, is when to um, let it go, like the Disney princess sings. So <laughs> I will be happy if I never hear that song again. <laughs> so I, as I'm reading about all the destructive words that we have the ability to read, or I mean to speak, through Proverbs, I love Proverbs 16:24 little contrast. It says, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. So just like we have the ability to just cut people down with our words, we can speak health to the bones and sweetness to the soul. When we have, it says a, a word in season is good. We have so many opportunities to bless and to speak uh, life. Um, so as I'm continuing through about how to, how to keep strife out of my home, because that's something I really would like to have. I don't know about you, but I like when I close the door at the end of the night and I know there's peace. And you know the feeling when there's not peace too. When it's restless, those times when you can't sleep at night and you just, I just don't, I feel restless. I know that um, my, the apartment that my husband and I lived in when we first got married, we lived there for like six months. It was a 600 square foot apartment. Very, very small. I think we had like one closet for everything, like our clothes, and that's just like a recipe for frustration right there for like organization freaks but um I remember feeling like and it wasn't that we were fighting or anything we were actually very happy but I feel like there was like the the remnants of 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 strife in that place and now I have more understanding that I wish I would have known at the time that we could have just prayed and taken authority over that spirit of frustration but it was there because I never slept good there I like I feel like it was never peace I never really had that feeling where it's like I can feel the presence of the Lord. And we can cultivate that in our homes. It wasn't there. And I, and I wish I would have, I could have uh, done a lot of things to change that back then, but I was really young. So we ended up moving, and I remember feeling like, okay, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Like, whatever was there was not good. So um, anyway, we just, we have so much uh, authority that we don't know that we have, that we can tap into just to declare peace in our homes. And um, the other thing that I was wanting to share about how we uh, create strife is pride. And pride gives birth to strife. Uh, Proverbs 13.10. Let you turn there. Proverbs 13.10 says, By pride, by pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. I would like to be the well-advised. I would like to have wisdom. So, um, if you can turn now to James 3. Sorry, I'm telling you, I even had more scriptures, so glad I did pare it down. James chapter 3. The fruit, oh yeah, where am I at here? Um, 17 and 18, sorry. Proverbs, uh, uh, James 3, 17 and 18. I can speak English. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So that's really interesting to me. Uh, we're supposed to be peacemakers. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We have a responsibility to, to be instruments of peace. Um, and when we have the wisdom of God operating in our lives, 
peace should, should just flow out of us. Our home should be peaceful. Our relationship should have peace. Even in this place that, that we're called together as this group of people, that we should ha- be at peace with each other. That's an environment that the Lord can bless. God, he can't bless strife. He can't bless dissension and division and, and, and seeking after ourselves and our own agendas. God can't bless that. But he can bless an environment of peace where we prefer one another over ourselves. So Proverbs 30, 32 and 33 says, If you have been foolish in exalting yourself, or if you have devised evil, put your hand on your mouth. For as the churning of butter and wringing the nose produces blood, so the forcing of wrath produces strife. And a lot of times it only takes one person humbling themselves to bring peace. And I don't know about you, but my, my uh, nature naturally is probably more stubborn and um, a little more stiff-necked. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not one of, I have to work at this. For me, I really have to. Sometimes it's like, just shut your mouth and humble yourself. And, we're, and that's what our instruction is uh, from the Lord. Um, Philippians 2, 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Preferring others is a, is a huge, huge thing that I think we're, we're constantly having to crucify that nature. It's a daily thing, the nature that rises up inside of us and wants to seek after our own. But if we're walking in love, love doesn't seek its own. Love is not proud. We, we prefer each other. And, and, and that's why um, in, a, in a godly marriage, things work. Because when one prefers the other, uh, if you know if a, if a husband is laying down his life for his wife and, and he's preferring her, well, but she does the same for him, so it works out. Everybody's needs are met. We don't have to do that whole look out for number one thing that the world teaches us. And I've seen so many—I don't know about you—but I've seen so many relationships and and uh, friendships just destroyed because we can't control our mouths, and and we want to just well, I just had to say it, and I don't care if it destroys our friendship, but they, it just needed to be said. Really, <laughs> like. No. <laughs> now, I, and I don't mean, when, when I say about being peacemakers, I don't mean to, to, um, to uh, not address serious issues or to, to, to allow compromise. That's not what I mean. But I do mean preferring, preferring each other over ourselves and not we're seeking after our own agenda where we're seeking credit for things or we're seeking a title or we're seeking um, for people to, to notice me. I think we all kind of struggle with that in, uh, on some degree. I know I do. Um, but that is just utter pride. And pride is, is strife. So, um, so we should be quick to forgive offenses, mindful not to cause them. And I, I think this Proverbs eighteen nineteen struck a chord with me. It says, a, bro- uh, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. So contention and strife, it just, uh, it, it imprisons you. So we have to just battle against it. But I've been so thankful for this uh, series we've been doing on Proverbs because I love um, the, the wisdom of the Lord. I mean, it's just been so wonderful to hear people that have much more wisdom than me teach because I won't say that I um, have much, if any. We're getting there. Um, <laughs> but James three seventeen and 18, I know I just read that, but I want to read it one more time. Uh, the wisdom that's from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, willing to yield, 
the three words in that passage just um, I felt so convicted of how many times I, I would um, I had the opportunity to bend and where it was right for me to bend and I chose not to and what did it cause strife it's not the fruit of godly wisdom that's the wisdom of the world I don't know if you've ever read Pride and Prejudice but I'm a total like book geek so I read it several times and it's it's an allegory it's like a it's um kind of a lot of symbolism and it's this dude Christian and he's on a journey if you haven't read it you should read it it's amazing um, but there's one he meets different characters like he meets uh, temperance and prudence and um, he has this big burden on his back and he goes and puts it down at the cross it's pilgrims what did I say pride and prejudice <laughs> peas I did not mean pride and prejudice that is a good book too but it's totally different no I meant pilgrims progress thank you yeah, no, that's just, I heard the uh, alliteration. It's a lot of P's. Okay, Pilgrim's Progress. I actually always call it that, and I always get corrected because that is wrong. No, Pilgrim's Progress, sorry. The, um, he meets one character in there that uh, is named Mr. Worldly Wisdom, and that's the, that's the, yeah, there's a movie about it, too. It's not great acting, but it's really good, and you'll cry. So, um, especially when he goes to the cross. Oh my gosh. Um, anyway, um, it's Mr. Worldly Wisdom, and that's the character that always stuck out to me because he's telling him, oh, there's many ways. There's many ways to, to, to heaven, essentially. I'm like, that's just what the world teaches you, that everybody works out kind of their own faith. Or like, just like, I have one, I, I know this one person um, who's just, I, she's really searching for truth right now. And I just have to hold my tongue a lot. And I'm waiting for the opportunity to minister to her. And she's just grabbing like a little bit from every major religion and just creating her own. Okay, Sure. And I feel like I haven't really been, like, released to, to talk to her about it, but I'm just kind of listening. I'm like, okay, this is so wrong. It hurts my insides. But um, but it's just the, the wisdom of the world is so opposite and will just have destructive results. And I'm so thankful that the Lord reveals his wisdom to us when we ask. And it says that we don't have because we don't ask. So if we want wisdom, all we have to do is say, Lord, please give me wisdom. And, we have, and we're willing to humble ourselves. And we just have so much direction straight from his presence, and it's just amazing. And uh, godly wisdom, when, those, when the fruit of wisdom is operating in our lives, it, it's pure, because bitterness can spoil you, but God's wisdom is pure. And it's, uh, it's um, <clears throat> sorry, true wisdom is sincere, it's consistent, and the fruit of godly wisdom is gentleness. And I, I, and I know when, um, when uh, bitterness is allowed to fester and grow, it just produces uh, just utter destruction and depression and sadness, all kinds of things. Bitterness and jealousy, we just, we want to get rid of those because true wisdom from the Lord, it's gentleness. Um, that Proverbs seventeen twenty seven says, he who has knowledge spares his words and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. I really desire that in my own self. Uh, to, to reply to people, it says a soft answer turns away wrath. Uh, when we can, it's a lot, a lot of times we can um, diffuse a situation very easily if we if we just respond softly and gently. I don't know about you. If you're in a restaurant and someone's snotty to you or something, it's a lot of times, oh, I'm so sorry. Even inside, you're like, it wasn't my fault. But if you're just willing to, like, I, when I worked uh, for Starbucks for a long time, I the other I heard a lot of coworkers they would like kind of talk. Uh, we say talk smack on the customers, and a lot of times customers were were they could be very rude. But I always kind of had the idea that they are spending, a, like, way more money than they have to on their coffee. So I'm going to be nice to them. And I noticed that a lot of times, like, these arguments, I've seen full-on arguments between, like, customers and, and um, employees. 
they can so easily be diffused if we will humble ourselves and just respond gently. And how many times just in our, in our relationships uh, and our friendships and our homes with our, with our children, when we just choose to have a soft answer, that that wrath that produces strife is, is just put aside. And um, <clears throat> this, is when, uh, when I just, this is something I just wrote down. In our relationships with our families, our church families, when wisdom's operating in our lives, we are quick to follow after peace. And the fruit that comes up out of our lives is, is peace and gentleness. We're willing to yield and humble ourselves, and we consistently speak truth and words of life over others. Because hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. And love is, doesn't seek after its own. Love is not proud. So when we're, just, when we're submitted to the Lord, daily asking for his wisdom, and we're quick to repent, and we're quick to forgive, that that wisdom bears fruit. And we should always be bearing fruit. And we really always are bearing fruit of just what kind. <laughs> I, I would like to bear the, the fruit that's gentle and peaceable and willing to yield and kind and, and not envy and hatred and bitterness and strife. But we have a choice. We totally and completely have a choice. And just really the last thing that I want to share is um, we, we can really um, set our environment for peace, or we can set an environment for destruction. A lot of times we make really bad decisions that cause strife, and it's, there's nothing better than when those decisions... I mean, even if, you, um, even if it's a long road to, to undo some decisions, there is nothing like that feeling of peace that comes when you know it's over. Um, I, I know that... I know people... They buy things like, uh, you know, we, we get into these big houses and we think like, oh, I just love this house so much. And, and then uh, you know that you're just overbuying just by a little bit. And it's just a recipe for strife, it's just a recipe for frustration when we kind of um, we get in over our heads. I know I do the same thing when I want to say yes to everything. Like, oh, I'll do that and I'll do this. And then I'm frustrated. wonder why. Because, well, and most of the time I notice that the Lord showed me, and this is like really transparent, that I will do a lot if I think someone's going to say, good job. Like, I'm a total words of affirmation kind of person. I like to be affirmed verbally. I like to get little cards and say, I just couldn't have done it without you. Like, I really find a lot of my value in that, and the Lord has really dealt with me about that. And um, I, I will go through the ringer, and I will say yes to stuff just so I can, like, you're the best. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I mean, that's terrible, but it's so true, so I'm working on it. Um, <clears throat> But it is, uh, it's better, the Lord showed me, and I mean it's very clear in Proverbs, that it's better sometimes to just have less and have peace. That uh, sometimes we want the form of prosperity, but then it's with contention. We want to look like everything's good on the outside, but inside it's just utter strife. Um, Proverbs 21.9 says, better to dwell, this is that contentious woman again, better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Yikes. <laughs> Better to live on the darn roof. Are you kidding me? Uh, Proverbs twenty-one nineteen. Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. Yikes. Proverbs seventeen. We have so much responsibility. Oh my gosh. Proverbs seventeen one. Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Yeah, and there's a ton. I could read you all of them. There's so many of that that it is better to just have less than than to have more with frustration. That God's calling us to walk in peace and, and calling it, I mean, he calls, that's our responsibility. We're to be instruments of peace. And, um, the cord is caught. 
So um, our homes, they, they need to be places of peace because that's a place that the Holy Spirit can move in. Your home doesn't matter what you have, doesn't matter how old or how new it is or how grand it is or how small it is. There can be peace and the Holy Spirit can move. And we can set an environment for worship. And we can set an environment for, uh, for his, his complete blessing from heaven when there is peace. Because God can bless peace, but he can't bless confusion. He can't bless division. That's why we're instructed so many times to dwell in unity. So um, even, even as a church body, not, not just even in our own homes, but us all together, that the Lord has placed us by design in, in this place. I know for me, I am, we are planted in this place. And when you're a family, like you can't really get away from each other. Um, I feel that way about this place. Um, I love you guys. <laughs> I love everybody. But it's kind of like that for me. Like I, I was just saying to somebody the other day, um, a lot of people, they choose to live away from their families or they're away from their siblings. I know people that have gone years without speaking to their brother or their sister. And I was thinking about my sister, Julia. It, like, there's, I can't think of anything that could happen that would make me not want to, like, have a relationship with her. I can't imagine. I mean, like, nothing. Because I rock. No, but I mean, it's true. I, I, I believe that that's... I, and I believe that's the attitude that the Lord wants us to have for each other. And I know that there's a time that the Lord moves people away or that he moves you to a new place or anything like that. But um, I saw this little quote. I, I'm, hopefully it's not like totally new, new agey or something. But it says, you bloom where you're planted. And I just, I was like, oh, I love that. Because when it's, you don't bloom and, and, and you don't begin to grow until you plant your root down. And I feel like the Lord has placed everybody here by design and the way we interact with each other god can bless it or or the blessing of the lord is just stopped the anointing can be stopped because of our own contention and our own striving for whatever for our own agendas but when we prefer one another over ourselves and we operate in unity that's oh the lord can just pour his blessings out on us i know for for um, the worship team we know when we're really operating in unity and kind of when we're not um <laughs> There's times when we're not, it's just we're like, we say like, we're just not like grooving or whatever. It's like such a music term, but it's the truth. <laughs> and um, um, when, when there's, I feel like when the unity is, is here with us and we're, you know, we prefer one another over ourselves and we're working together and there's no attitudes like, oh, well, you know, she cut me off before I was done with that or she told me not to sing or whatever. When there's unity or I didn't like the song, I don't want to sing it or whatever it is, when there's unity, the, the presence of God is in a, it's different here. Like, I remember when I, dis I, I mean, I think I'd been leading worship for about two years before I really made that connection, that my attitude has a lot of, of uh, power. <laughs> and, um, and I know the Lord is faithful, so even when things kind of aren't gelling, the Lord still shows up, and his presence is still here, but it's a different, it's, it's just this different kind of anointing when there's unity and when we're all pulling together to, to go into the presence of the Lord. I, sometimes I feel like the Lord has even shown me, like, me as a worship leader, like, with a sword in my hand, and I feel like it's like you have to fight for it sometimes. You have to fight for your worship, and you have to fight for unity, and you have to see... The, even words people say that are kind of snotty or, or things that people say out of, just out of our own humanness that can bring division, we have to fight against it. We have to deliberately take a stand against it and choose unity, even when maybe it doesn't feel good or it's, it's hard when we have to humble ourselves. We, that's why they have the whole phrase about eating humble pie. It doesn't taste good. Okay, Those words sometimes taste like vinegar coming out of our mouths, but we have to do it. 
So um, when we, I think when we begin to see, to, to see things that way, that strife and frustration are literally a tool in the hands of the enemy, and he wants to take our peace, and he wants to cause confusion, and he wants to cause strife. But when we prefer one another, and when we operate in unity, and we let those contentions and those, uh, the, the strife go, and we just exalt the Lord, that his blessing and his anointing just pours out. And so um, in our relationships with each other, I just love that scripture, it's iron sharpens iron. And here, it tells us, like, don't be friends with an angry person. It says that. And, um, you know, the talebearers and the whisperers, don't associate with them. But, but iron sharpens iron. So it's like we have this responsibility and relationship with each other to, to spur each other on and to help each other grow and to be proud when, when some, you know, we, we mourn when people mourn and we, and we are rejoicing when people are rejoicing and we share in that together. And I feel like strife is this, is this thing that we have to recognize as an, as a tool of the enemy and we have to battle against it and not, not get our own feelings hurt. And it is, it's hard when you're, when you're in relationship with people, you get bumps and bruises. You really do. I mean, you're, I know when you're a mom and dad, your kids hurt your feelings, and, and uh, kids get their feelings hurt, and you, but you, it doesn't matter. You keep, you stay together. Just like in a husband and wife relationship, when you have, uh, you've made the commitment to spend your entire life together, bumps and bruises happen. You get mad at each other. You're living that close with somebody all the time. Like there, there's an opportunity for a lot, of, a lot of frustration, but we die to ourselves daily. Our whole, our, I feel like the whole, um, the whole point is to learn to, to, to die to ourselves, to decrease so that he can increase.